Thank you for listening to the Radiant Church Podcast. For more information, visit us at weareradiant.com. We're in a brand new series that we're calling The Comeback. Say The Comeback. We're going to look the next four weeks over four comeback stories throughout Scripture where uh, people came back to their purpose, came back to God. It's going to be so fun. We're going to have a good time. Lead right into Easter at Radiant that I'm really pumped about. But today's story is so near and dear to my heart. Um, It's a parable that Jesus told, and I want you to lean into it. Out of all the parables in the scriptures, I would say, and I would think scholars would agree that this is the most important one he ever told. It's been written about for thousands of years now. It's been dissected and ripped apart. Um, It's not going to be the first time you've ever heard it preached on, but I think it'll be impacting in your life as we hear this story. And and I think it's revolutionary because it's so countercultural to what the world says. It's not just 2,000 years ago, but today. And and I think it's going to be an awesome message. I want us to stay standing as we just read God's Word and we hear uh, the story together. And it's from the book of Luke chapter 15. It says it like this in verse 11. Jesus told them this story. A man had two sons. How many sons? Very good. You're with me today. The younger son told his father, I want my share of your estate now before you die. Ouch. Ouch. So his father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. And a few days later, this younger son packed up all of his belongings and moved to a distant land. And there he wasted all of his stimulus money in wild. <laughs> it's not in there, but you got the idea, right? <laughs> just, just a reminder. 10% is God's tithe. Just, just throwing that out there. I mean, not the message for today, but just to remind you guys. About that time, his money ran out and a great famine swept over the land and he began to starve. He persuaded a local farmer to hire him and the man sent him to his fields to feed the pigs. The younger man became so hungry that even the pods he was feeding, the pigs looked good at him, but no one gave him anything. When he finally came to his senses, and this is what I'm believing over Tampa Bay today. This is why, by the way, you should jump on Facebook and share this message with somebody. Because there's somebody on the other side, there's somebody in this room, that this is the moment you're finally going to come to your senses and realize you belong back with your Heavenly Father. You've gone your way far too long. Finally came to his senses, he said to himself, even at home, the hired servants have enough food to spare. And here I am dying of hunger. I will go home to my father and say, Father, I've sinned against both heaven and you and no longer worthy to be called your son. Please take me on as a hired servant. So he returned home to his father. And while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming and beat that boy with a stick, right? Wouldn't we do that? That's not what the heavenly father does. Filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. That is the God that we serve right there. I want you to see one verse, and then we're going we're gonna to transition to verse 17. When he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, even at home, if I just go home, even at home, they're, they're the hired servants have enough food to spare. I'm dying of hunger. I will go home. If you're taking notes today, we're going to title today's message, it's time to come home. It's time to come home. There's some people that have been, you've, you've let this last year kind of drift you for far too long. It's time to come home to what God has for your life. Let's pray together. Lord, speak to us. Change us. We open ourselves up to you transforming us today. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody that believes it says, amen. 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 You can be seated all across Tampa Bay. We're glad that you're with us. 
It's time to come home. It's time to come home. A few weeks ago, I decided to take my older three kids on a trip. I had some miles saved up and some points saved up to get some flights. And I had this idea that I would take them on a journey back to my home, my hometown. And you might not know this about your pastor. I am originally from Louisiana. I am a raging Cajun. Come on, any Louisiana people at locations? About four of you guys. Awesome. Um, we're, not, we're, not, we're not the smartest people, but we're the most fun in Jesus' name. That's how we work. So, so I'm from Baton Rouge, and so I decided to, to take my three older kids, and I wanted them to see kind of my upbringing. So we flew to uh, Mississippi, stayed at my grandmother's house there in Mississippi, and then drove down to Baton Rouge to kind of see where I was from and went to the, my house that I was kind of raised at. I don't know if you ever had this moment where you've gone back home and you saw your house that you are raised at, and when you got there, you realized it's a lot smaller than you thought it was. How many of you remember that moment where you're like, man, how did we all live in there? And so I went from there, went to the hospital I was born at and showed them the school I was raised in, and I don't know if they cared about any of it, but we had a good time with it. And, and it made me kind of reminisce and think about what life was like being raised in the 80s. How many people were raised in the 80s? Come on, where y'all at today? Uh, you know, raised in the 80s, I was taking my kids around and telling them how different life is now compared to the 80s. Like, life is so safe now. The 80s was not safe. Like, I took them to the McDonald's where um, I would go to as a kid. Now McDonald's is, like, all sophisticated. I mean, touchscreen little menus, and, and if they have a playground, it's all, like, professional. That's not what it was like when I was raised. This is the McDonald's when I was raised. Come on, how many remember that thing right there? I mean, on, on your way out to the McDonald's, you got a tetanus shot, right? I mean... There, there's no safety in that experience. I mean, it's all germs everywhere and gross. And, and that's, that, I remember just seeing that. I was like, man, life is different than that. And then I remember taking them to the playground. My kids go to playgrounds today, and they're like pirate ship themes. And they're designed by scientists to teach people lessons. And the playgrounds we have that my kids go to are different. I, I went to the playground when I was a kid. It wasn't no scientific theme. It looked like this. How many remember this guy right here? How did we all live past this season in our life? If you didn't die from climbing the 15 feet up to the top, how many know you burned on the whole way down? <laughs> Who designed this thing? I'm just thinking of my hometown life when I was living, growing up. And then I, I'm in this SUV that I had rented. And so I'm driving my kids all around Baton Rouge. And I told them, I said, listen, when I was driving around Baton Rouge, it wasn't a no, no nice SUV, which, by the way, y'all are sitting in what's called car seats. We, we didn't have those back when I was growing up, or at least we had them and we never used them. Instead, my mom had this thing called the station wagon. How many remember the station wagon? <laughs> And we had the station wagon where it had the third row seat. And the third row seats now, that's a luxury. Back then, it was like the necessity to forget all the kids around. But I don't know who designed the third row seat of this vehicle right here. Facing backwards with the most vulnerable people in the car. Ready to be just rear-ended right there. And, and, and not only was it just like the stupidest design, but in the back of it, how many remember the window that rolled down? You could roll it down. So I'd get out of Sunday school, we'd get in the ch after church and heading to Ryan's Buffet and going to Ryan's Buffet in the back of this thing. I'm there taking my Sunday school notes and throwing it out the back of the vehicle. 
life was just different growing up in the 80s. And I was telling my kids this, they're like, Daddy, how did y'all live? How did y'all survive? And I was like, it's the grace of God, and I think we survived because of these things. Come on, how many know that's how we survived? <laughs> Dad, in five a day, come on, somebody. Pure sugar, maybe a little vitamin. Something about thinking about home. We, we all had those moments, good moments, bad moments, thinking about home. And here's why. It's because you're created. You're created for home. You're created for community. You're created to belong. It's why you're at church today. You know that there's some kind of connection, something greater you're supposed to be part of. And that's where we find our opening of our story, where there's a boy who's being raised in his home. And we're going to pick up in verse 12, Luke chapter 15, and it says it like this. It says, the younger son told his father, he says, man, I want, I want my share of the estate now before you die. Imagine this idea. Hey, Dad, I, I, don't, I don't want you. I want what you can do for me. I want what you've got for me. Take that share of the estate. And, and listen, I don't really care if you're dead or not. I just want stuff. So his father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. That's not quite how I would have acted in this moment. And a few days later, the, son, the younger son packed up all of his belongings. And he moved to a distant land. And there he wasted. Say wasted. This is my big concern for a lot of your lives is that you're doing life and at the end of it, you're going to realize you wasted it because you did it away from your heavenly father. You wasted it doing it your way instead of God's way. You wasted it and, and I want to help you. I think this is going to be a course correction for so many people's lives and you're on a path. You have no clue how bad it's going to end up unless you make a course correction today says he wasted all of his money in wild living. I want you to write it down in your notes. Number one is simply this. A wasted life is one that pursues the resources from God without the relationship with God. Think about that. He goes to the father and says, Father, listen, I want what you can get for me, to give me, but I don't want you. I want resources, I don't want relationship. I want stuff, but I don't want the savior. I want, I want fortune, but I don't want the father. And I find that there's a lot of people, maybe even people today at Radiant Church, and you've come to church because your life is a wreck, and really what you're looking for is resources, but what God wants to give you is relationship. You see, God never designed us to be living life with his stuff, but without him. So you want a healthy marriage, don't try to get the resources of a healthy marriage. Get the God who can give you a healthy marriage. It's about relationship, not about resources. You're like, I need my finances to turn around. A few extra dollars won't solve your problem. You'll find that out in the next couple weeks. Because it's not money that can solve the problem. It's the relationship with God that solves the problem. So stop being the son that tries to get the resources without the relationship. It'll end up a wasted life. Good preaching today, pastor. I know they're shouting me down at every other location. And, and, and why did he want this stuff? Why did he want it? It wasn't because he was in need. Wasn't, there wasn't some, some emptiness in Sodom. You know, he's probably, I mean, the story looks as, as if this is a pretty well-off guy. His, his father was probably really wealthy, had an estate to give to them. And this idea that he probably was a, you know, silver spoon in his mouth and 
was raised with all the things he could want, why would he want his share of the estate? And I would say it's not because he had a need, it's more because he wanted control. And there's a lot of you guys, here's the problem. It's you want the resources, not so much that you have some need in your life. It's because you want control of your life. You want to be God of your life. And when you are in control of your life, you can only navigate it to a certain direction. I'm telling you, the end result is not where you want it to go. And this is the definition of what sin is. There's a lot of confusion, so let me tell you. Sin is simply doing life our way instead of God's way. It's saying, my way's better. Hey, Father, I don't want to do it your way. I want to do it the way I want to do it. And I want to live life my way. I want to do relationships my way. I want to do money my way. I want to do time my way. And then my way is best. And this is what this son has done. I'm taking my stuff and I'm going on my way. Verse 14, it says it like this. About that time, his money ran out. And a great famine swept over the land and he began to starve. He persuaded a local farmer to hire him, and the man sent him into the fields to feed the pigs. The younger man became so hungry that even the pods he was feeding the pigs looked good to him, but no one gave him anything. Let me ask you a question today. Do you really think this is where he thought he would end up? Do you really think that when he's sitting there thinking, I'm getting all these resources and all these things in my life, man, I can't wait for weeks or months or years down the road when I can be sitting in a pig pen begging to eat the food that pigs would eat. Nobody would ever want to get to that place. But here's what I've come to warn you today is that you have to understand that a lot of you guys are on a path towards a destination that if it got to the full extent of that fantasy in your mind and that dream in your mind and that temptation in your mind, you would end up in a place way worse than this man ended up in his pig pen. And here's why. Write it down your notes, number two, because sin always overpromises on fun. Doesn't it? It's going to be awesome. It's going to be amazing. Live it up. But it always under delivers on fulfillment. And how many have understood that with their lives? That we've had these moments where I'm going to get away from it. I'm going to make it on my own. Some of you guys, by the way, your journey away from it was was to Tampa, was to St. Pete. You go, I I can't wait. I'm in this back roads of Alabama. I'm going to get out of this town and live life my way. And you get out here and you've lived it your way and you found, man, you have found yourself in the bottom of the bottom, frustrated and frustrated going, how can I get out of this mess I'm in? Because that's what sin does to us. Write it down your notes this way. Because sin will take you further than you want to go. It'll always keep you longer than you want to stay. And it's going to cost you more than you ever want to pay. And there's a lot of you guys, you need to underline that you need to fill it in you need to take a picture of it you need to save it and put it on your fridge because you need to remember what the enemy is offering you always over promises on fun and it always will under deliver on fulfillment because sin is a trap that the enemy entices us with and I, I just feel this this unction from God himself that is presenting this message to some of you guys in here at one of our locations that are on the verge of making a terrible terrible sin decision and this is going to be the course correction for your life because if you got to the end result you'd end up so terrible and so devastated and your family would be a wreck don't go where sin's going to leave stay with your father 
stay with your father. I want to teach you a Hebrew word. Now, I like to read the Old Testament. It's written in Hebrew. I like to read it in, in Hebrew. Um, okay, that's a joke. I don't read the Bible in Hebrew, but I wanted y'all to think I was smart. But there is a Hebrew word that was presented to me uh, years ago that has changed my entire life. I, I don't know if I've ever taught it here at Radiant Church, but I'm going to give it to you. So if, if you want to throw it into conversations, everybody's going to think you are a Bible scholar and you're very smart. So the, the Hebrew word, it's mentioned throughout the Old Testament about a dozen times. It's the word aharit. Okay, so if you, if you came with us to Israel last year, right before the whole world shut down, you learned the importance of like, when you say a Hebrew word, you got to yeah, you gotta almost spit. Now, I understand we're in a COVID world, so please don't spit. But um, I want us to say this word out loud because it's a very important word. Say aharit. All right, now a little bit more from the throat. Ready? Aharit. Okay, very good. Here, here's what aharit means. It's mentioned all throughout the Old Testament. It simply means this. It means the end result. The end result. So the aharit is, the, another word to say it is, it's the consequence. So when the description of the end result or the consequence, if you see the phrase in the end or at the end, it's always this, this Hebrew word, aharit. So let me show it to you a couple times throughout the Bible. We're going to take a few minutes and go through this because I think it's important. Proverbs chapter 14, verse 12 is a very famous passage, but it uses the word aharit, but you've never seen it because you'd have to know the Hebrew. Here's what it is. It says it like this. There's a way that appears to be right, but in the aharit, it leads to death. You see right there? So the idea of it is, is there's a way that you think it's going to be okay, but there's a aharit to your decision. There's a result. There's a consequence. Let me show you another one. Proverbs chapter 5 is a famous passage on adultery. It talks about the importance of not giving in to sexual temptation. It says it like this. Pay attention, my son, to wisdom. Turn your ear to words of insight that you may maintain discretion and your lips may preserve knowledge. For, look at this. The lips of the adulterous woman drip honey. Oh, she looks so good. Man, she's across the room. She's just staring at you. You're looking at her. And her speech, all oh, those DMs, oh, they're smoother than oil right there. And let's just not make this about the woman either. Men, y'all are equally as bad in this area. Okay, so, so they entice you. They look great. Oh, look at the biceps. Look how they talk. Look at the moves. Look how they, they, look how they talk to me the way I wish my spouse would talk to me. Look how they, they, they notice me. Nobody else notices me. And look at that. She, she, look at, she looks so good. But in the aharit, the consequence, the result is bitter as gall. Sharp as a double-edged sword. What is the author of Proverbs saying? Listen, hold on. There is a consequence to your action, and the consequence is far te more terrible than whatever you're going to gain from that little bit of sin right there. Verse 11 says it like this. At the aharit of your life, you will groan. And I have sat there by the edge of a bed of multiple people as they've in, their life is being coming to a close. 
and they've grown. They've thought of all of the ways they've made mistakes and the, the things they would have done different and how they would have honored God better. They've grown in their flesh and their body are spent. Why? They never thought about the aharit. They never thought that there's a consequence after. And I want you to get this because it's in your notes. Because your enemy's primary strategy to destroying your life is to deceive you from the aharit. It's to say, you know what? Nobody's going to know. It's not a big deal. Nothing's ever going to happen. You, here's what he said, you can get away with it. And he deceives you from the aharit. Here's what the aharit is, ready? The consequence of that decision. So it's to say, you know what? There's no consequences. There's no way to do it. Like, it's not a big deal. Do whatever you want to do. Have the fun you want to have. And if you've ever walked with people who have gone through adultery or battled with, with addictions to pornography or relapsed in drugs, you know what it's like to sit there and go, oh, if I could have remembered this feeling of how terrible it feels right now. I never would have done it the first time, but the enemy is so good at letting us realize, man, there's not a feeling, there, there's nothing that'll come after it. And it's a lie that I want to open up to you today because I want us to walk in freedom. And I'm tired of people walking through path after path that leads to destruction after destruction when God has come to bring us life and life to the full. Remember the Aharit. You want to, let me give you a good visual. All right, I need, I'm a visual guy. So I think of, let me give you a good visual for Aharit. Here's one, ready? It's, it's this. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> Come on, you're with me, right? You get to the, to the fair, you get to the strawberry festival, you're like, whoa, this is gonna be a blast. Fried Oreos, yeah, whoa, funnel cakes, whoa. And then you've all had that moment. You eat it and you go, oh, I feel terrible. And if you could remember that feeling, <laughs> you would never eat it again, right? I, I saw one the other day. This is from the Texas State Fair they don't have fried Oreos. They have what's called fried sticks of butter. You know nobody in Texas is remembering that aharit right there. They just keep eating it. What? Can, can I just encourage you in here today? Let me tell you, if, if you're being tempted, if you're struggling, if you're having these moments where you feel like, you know, I'm doing these things, nobody will ever know, no, I'll, I'll get away with it. Can I encourage you, get free, get some community, get some help in your life. It's not worth it because if that fantasy goes all the way to the extreme of where you want it to go, the aharit is not as good as you think it is. It's a family that despises you. It's a marriage falling apart. It's time in jail because you cheated on your taxes. You have no clue what's on the other side of that ahari. Do life God's way. Stay with the Father. It's time to come home. Come on, give them better praise than that today. So our story continues. It says it like this, and it says, when he finally came to his senses. Wow, that's my prayer for you right now across Tampa Bay, that the light bulb would come on, that this would be your moment of breakthrough, where you say to yourself, I can't stay disconnected from the Father anymore. 
And there's some people you once were passionate for Jesus, on fire for Jesus. Everything was about your relationship with God. And through the 2020 pandemic now that has lasted over a year, now you have veered and done it your way and maybe relapsed back in that lifestyle or back on those drugs or back in that, back in that, 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 that thing, the temptation that you know is going to destroy your life. Here's my moment for you. It's just come to your senses. Realize that, man, that there's better out there for you. And he says, even the hired servants have enough food to spare. That word hired servants is one of three words in the Greek New Testament that uses the word servant. So there's, there's a bond servant. That's like what Paul would describe in the epistles. A bond servant was basically the manager. They were the person in charge. So they, they were part of the family. When you're a bond servant, you were there by choice. You, you committed yourself to the family even though you were not biologically part of the family. We, we would call it, you have refrigerator rights. How many know what I'm talking about? Not everybody has refrigerator rights, but, but you're in that level of relationship. Then there's servants, normal servants, and a normal servant would be someone that's an employee. It's someone that... That it's part of the, they get the benefits there. They get to do the, the staff retreat together. They, they, they get health coverage because you're part of the employee of the, the family. But then there's this third level that the son knew about. It's a hired servant. A hired servant. It's, this is the idea. You're a 1099. How many know what I'm talking about? <laughs> Contract labor. Like you ain't getting no benefits. You're going to clock in, clock out. We don't want anything to do with you. He goes, well, at least I can go there because there's enough food to and uh, despair, and, and I'm dying of hungry, hunger, and he thinks, I'll, I'll at least go and be, be a hired hand. I'm going to go home to my father, and I'll, I'll say to him, man, I, I, I'm, I've, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Please take me in as a, as a hired servant. Here, here, here's what he came to his senses and realized. It's number three is this. If you want to get help, you have to come back home. You have to come back home. You've been wandering and doing it your own way for far too long. You have to make a decision. I'm coming back to God. This is a message maybe a friend or family member shared with you. It's your moment to come back to God. And I know you look like you're in the pig pen and it looks like it's the bottom. But I want you to know you might be in a dip, but God's not done. There's still an opportunity for you to come back to God. I think people need this encouragement in their life today. And he's not wanting you to come back and go, all right, great. 1099, contract layer, lay, uh, labor, give me money, serve, and we'll see how you do. No, no, no. Galatians 4 says it this way. You are no longer a servant. No, you are God's child. And since you are his child, you have been also made an heir. I love this passage. When you come back home, you're not coming back to God as a second class citizen. You're coming back to God as a son or a daughter of God that still has a future in front of them. God didn't save you to be his employee, but to be his family. It's not about how much money you can give or how much you can serve or how well you can read. It's not about that. He wants you as his son and daughter. He wants you part of that family. And we're so messed up in the religious culture that God wants something from us. Let me just set it straight. God doesn't want something from you. He wants to do life with you. He wants that relationship with you. And you can come back to him. So the... The young man decided, okay, I'll just come back as a hired servant. Passage goes, so he returned home to his father. And his father was waiting there with a stick 
ready to just beat that boy down. How many know? If it was one of the Burke kids, we'd had a long talk. But we don't understand how our Heavenly Father thinks. We get this idea that he is ready to go, okay, they did this, now I'm going to give them these consequences if they turn back to me. And here was the response of the father. While he was still a long way off. I think that passage could be one of the most crucial in the entire New Testament right there. In other words, he wasn't close to God. He didn't get cleaned up first. He probably still smelled like the pig's pen. His, his clothes were all a mess. His beard's overgrown. His hair is all a wreck. Hadn't had a shower. Doesn't have a dime to his name. But God is in the business of looking at people who are still a long way off. Who are still all messed up. Deep in their mess. And I want you to know that's who God came to save. His father saw him coming, and he was filled with love and compassion, and he ran to his son. He embraced him, and he kissed him. Man, this is so different than our world today because our world is a cancel culture. And our world cancels everything, and you think because the world has canceled everybody that ever made a mistake and that God thinks the same way, but I want you to know today God has not canceled you. He has not canceled you. He has compassion, and he runs towards you. This is different from the way our culture works. Our culture says you made a mistake. You stay away. You're done with me. That's not how God looks at you. God has not canceled you no matter what you have done. God has compassion towards you. He runs towards you. He wants to embrace you. He wants to care for you. He wants to give you a second chance. That is the God that we serve. So here's the good news. Ready? When you take a step towards God, God runs towards you. And that's what this father did. His father ran towards him, embraced him, because that's the God that we serve. He's so interested in your redemption. We think he's all about punishing us. You've misinterpreted the character of God. God isn't about punishing. He's about embracing his sons and daughters who are returning back to him. I hope you feel it today. hope you're encouraged today. If you might be a long way off, you can return to God in this moment. Verse 21, he gets to his father and he says, Father, I've sinned. I've sinned. I've sinned against both heaven and you. In other words, I've made some terrible mistakes. And I'm no longer worthy of being called your son. Some of y'all have believed that lie for so long. I'm just not worthy. I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy. Because of what I've done, I'm not worthy. Guess what? What Jesus did on the cross makes you worthy to be a son and daughter of God. Stop telling yourself you're not worthy. Jesus thought you were worth every single blood that he shed on that cross. You got to remember that you're worthy of this. But his father said to the servants, quick. Love that word, quick. It's not, hey, no, no, okay, good, 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 good. Go sit in time out. Time out. We have time out Christianity. You made a mistake? Good. All right, you want to get right? All right, go sit in time out. Go, go, yeah, yeah, go, go over there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you, you show me that you're ready to do right. 
what? Quick. He said, no, get the finest robe. Now, I don't know about your house, but my kids don't own the finest robe in the house. <laughs> Let me tell you who would, the finest robe would be, my robe. So you know what the, the father said? Quick, what I have, I'm giving to you. I'm going to clothe you in what I have. You know what God has? He clothes us in his righteousness. He says, you might have screwed up. I didn't screw up. I'm going to give you what I have, and I'm going to give you my best. I'm going to put a ring on your finger and sandals on your feet. Kill that calf. Oh, you know that one? We've been, we've been feeding them extra. We've been waiting for some kind of celebration. We're going we're gonna to celebrate today with a feast for the son of mine. He was dead. Some of you, that's your life. You feel like it's dead, it's over, you're gone. He was lost. Aaron, I'm just so far gone. But now he's found. So the party began. Imagine this. I know we're almost up. You go from the pig's pen to the party in a matter of what, a few minutes? I'll give you an hour, maybe two hours. How much time was it from him sitting in that pig's pen to now dancing on the dance floor with his dad? Like, like we have this mindset that, oh, well, work yourself back up into the party, not with our God. You make a commitment to come back to him, you go from pig's pen to party in just a matter of a second. That's how good the grace of God is. He loves you and he wants you to come home. It's time to come home. So, this is your moment. I can't do it for you. I, 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 can't, I can't get you to come home. Some of you are going to come to your senses right now. At every one of our locations, we're going to do something a little unique. Because I want, I want it to be a little difficult today. I don't want just some emotional, yeah, that's me. I want a, I want a serious decision where you say, you know what? I'm coming to my senses. I, I'm, I'm telling the devil his plan was not what I'm going after anymore. I'm going after what God has for my life. You might have veered away the last year, the last 10 years. Maybe you've never been connected with the Father. This is your moment to come home to God. And I, I, I think we're going we're gonna to celebrate you. But across all of our locations, we're going to ask you to make a bold decision right now. We're not going to have you come forward, but right in your seat. If you're in here today, on the count of three, I'm going to count it up to three. You go, Aaron, I've been doing it my way. I'm ready to give my life to Christ. I'm going all in. I'm coming back home. And on the count of three, you're going to stand your feet all over the building, all over North Tampa, all over there at, at Brandon, at Heights, there in St. Pete. You go, well, that's a big decision. That's what the son did. He took a step towards God, and God ran towards him. I feel like God's going to meet you right there in your seat when you make that step to say, you know what? I'm ready to come home to God. One, that's you. Get ready. This is your moment. Nobody's going to shame you. We're going to celebrate you here at Radiant Church. One, two, three. Your time to come home. Get up. Come on. Thank you. 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 Come on. Celebrate more. Thank you. It's time to come home. It's time to come home. Take a second. Take a second. Wait, wait, wait. There's more at every location. Just, just God's speaking your heart. You, you were once so connected with the Father. And you just veered away. This is your moment. 
Come home. I'm just going to give it five more seconds. That's you. Just stay on your feet. Come on, right now. That's you. Thank you. Thank you. Come on. Come on. Every location. Come on. Thank you. Thank you in the back. Thank you. Now, Radiant Church, this is not a by themselves thing. Why don't we all stand and celebrate them? Come on. Celebrate your decision just made right there. All over this room. All over every location. All of heaven is celebrating people who said they're coming back. return to God. There, there's other people, you, you've, even in your mind, you've already started to disconnect from God, thinking about those temptations, thinking about those fantasies, those things. Just return your thoughts back to Him. Turn your attention back to Him. Say, God, I'm going all in with you. And as we take that step towards God, God runs towards you. Somebody needs to believe, man, somebody needs to believe that you coming back to God does not mean you're going to get a second-rate future. He's not looking at you going, oh, well, they'll get the leftovers. No, 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 you're still going to get the best of what God has for your life. You go all in for them. Don't just chase them today. Keep chasing them tomorrow and next week and get connected and, and, and be back in the home, back with God. You don't have to do this thing alone. Why don't we all pray this prayer out loud, a prayer of commitment, a prayer of returning to our Father, saying, God, we give it all to you. Say it like this. Say, dear Jesus, come on, say it out loud. Dear Jesus, today I make a decision. To come home I give you my sin I give you my past and I give you my future thank you for dying for me I make a decision to live for you for the rest of my life be my Lord be my Savior in Jesus name we pray come on now let's celebrate at every location all of heaven is celebrating come on let's celebrate the lives that just were changed Thank you for listening to the Radiant Church Podcast. For service times or giving options, visit us at weareradiant.com.